welcome to our Promise to Protect podcast series. My name is Lauren Sarmer. I'm the coordinator for resources and special projects for the Secretary of Child and Youth Protection here at the USCCB. Today I'm joined by Ashley Hand, who's the Director of Communications for the Diocese of Kansas City St. Joseph, which is also the home diocese of our Bishop's Chair for the Committee on the Protection of Children and Young People, Bishop Johnston. And then the second guest we have with us today is John Lilly, who's the Social Media Specialist here at the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So thanks for joining me today, Ashley and John. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. So we'll go ahead and jump right in. Um, so I'd like to ask both of you, you can uh, sort of fight for who goes first. <laughs> in general, what types of social media content generate the most impressions or engagements for each of you on your respective channels, both at a diocesan level from you, Ashley, and then a national level from you, John? Yeah, so I would say from uh, just from a national perspective, um, the things that get the most engagement are um, anything that's I think like hopeful content or things that are um, just inspiring people. I think people want to see something that's going to lift them up and something that's going to be um, just kind of carry them like a hopeful message throughout their day. I don't think that, you know, there's a lot of negativity on social media these days. And I think so like when we can break through the noise and, you know, whether it's a gospel passage or a quote from the Pope or, uh, or from a bishop or, you know, or what have you, I think that really lifts people up and those are, those d tend to do really well. And especially I think to, um, during the Advent season, when we ever we share about you know Christ coming at Christmas, those kinds of things always tend to generate a lot of positive responses, at least from the from the USCCB accounts. Thanks, John. Ashley. So, um, from our perspective, what we've learned really is um, people love to see themselves, um, whether it's their their own parish or um, you know somebody that they know, people in places that um, they're familiar with. And so we get a lot of um, engagement when we share photos of events, um, you know, things like liturgies, ordinations, seasonal traditions, you know, some of those things that are part of sort of everyday parish life. Um, those really get a lot of engagement um, on our channels. And um, I guess just to kind of back up a little bit, we, we have um, a presence on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. So those are kind of the three primary platforms that the, the diocese is speaking from. And then Bishop Johnston actually has his own um, Facebook and Twitter accounts. So um, we do generate content both from the diocesan level as well as directly from Bishop's voice. Um, and we find that the things that he posts um, always get engagement. So um, that's always kind of a given. <laughs> um, anything that, that Bishop posts, you know, people are gonna respond to and react to and share. Um, so we definitely try to keep his, his um, channels, you know, pretty active. A um, couple other things that, you know, we, we see a lot of um, interaction with would be like feast day, saint quotes. Um, our followers tend to really like that kind of content um, links that just help people to kind of stay in touch with the liturgical year, um, educational articles, um, just reminders that, hey, you know, this Holy Day of Obligation is coming up. Um, I think one of my favorite posts from the last year, um, and I have an amazing <clears throat> colleague who handles most of our social media content, um, she posted a graphic for the daylight savings time that just said, where is everyone? <laughs> 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 You know, you'll either get a, an extra hour of reflection at mass or um, be right on time. So I thought that was pretty cute. 
and definitely got a lot of engagement. But humor is always great. Um, I think, people, you know, I think like you were saying, John, there's so much negativity out there. If you can make somebody laugh or smile, um, you know, that definitely is going to get some additional interaction. I appreciate you both bringing up humor because obviously like in this line of work, talking about child needs protection or abuse prevention, that it's very, it's very difficult sometimes, right, of course, to bring humor into it. So maybe there's, what are some ideas that maybe the two of you could bring forth that some strategies to maybe bring some lightheartedness rather than the word humor, but bringing uh, maybe some hopefulness is a good word into the world of abuse prevention on social media that wouldn't be, uh, that could be a positive message um, to kind of circumvent this negativity. Because I know we, we, see a, we feel a lot of that negativity in our, in our work uh, in child and youth protection. And I know Bishop knows as the chair of the committee, of course, and I'm sure you see that um, when you do post content that has to do with child and youth protection. So what are some ways that you think maybe people could bring that hope in? Um, yeah, I can jump in. Um, so I think one thing to remember about this particular topic is that um, the audience requires kind of a special nuance and sensitivity that maybe you don't really have to think about when you're posting kind of more everyday mm -hmm. content. Um, so we're definitely more selective in what we post. Um, and here in our diocese, um, like many dioceses around the country, um, we actually host an annual day of um, prayer and reflection and um, every in every uh, every April 26th. So um, usually starting sometime around March, um, we will start to post content kind of related to that event. Um, which is very hopeful. It's it's also called um, a service of lament. And so um, it's also very much about, you know, kind of taking accountability on and, and prayer on behalf of, of the church. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, hope. Um, I think healing is a really important message for us. I know we talk a lot in our diocese about trying to, you know, kind of move into this new era of hope and healing um, and, and try to, you know, while we acknowledge the sins of the past, try to now turn our focus to helping those who have been harmed um, to find healing and, and to find, you know, maybe even restoration within the church. And so um, we have a, a new organization that we um, are supporting that is lay led um, called Journey to Bethany. And um, this is something that Bishop Johnson has really supported um, and we're you know, very proud to be able to actually put into action. Um, and their whole focus is serving the survivors um, of clergy sexual abuse with hope and healing. And so we've got a great opportunity now to really start to highlight their work within our community um, and the things that they're doing so that you know, we can start to you know, usher in hopefully a new day for um, for our diocese in particular. Yeah, I would say going off what you said, Ashley, um, I think people want like want to see um, like a human response. I don't think they want to see like like just like a, a very like I guess cold or impersonal. Like they really, they want to. So I think anytime we can highlight like whether it's a bishop um, or or someone's story, I think that that really kind of drives it home a little. It makes it more real for for folks when they see it. Um, when they, when they see it on social media. Um, I would say too, 
you know, like the um, the church has kind of opened this like synod on synodality phase, mm-hmm. and I think having this you know listening ear, I think that's really important for um, for us. And it, it you know it can be a little bit tricky navigating that on social media, like you said, Ash. You kind of have to have a nuance and the, kind of a particular like lens through which you kind of filter some content for um, for these types of issues. But I think it you know showing people that we are that the church is listening, the church has responded, the church is doing a lot. Um, like I mean, every bishop that I see that's active on social media is very vocal about what, the, what you know, he's done in his diocese or what you know, the church as a whole has done. And so there's not one that doesn't take it seriously. So I think that's, that's very encouraging. I think anytime we can lift that, that type of message up, I think that always, uh, is always a good thing. Yeah, thanks to both of you. I think a good example of both of your work really together is the video that Bishop Johnston recently did for our committee talking about what the committee looks like and um, great graphics on screen. It was excellently done, but um, John was able to tweet that out from the USCCB account uh, during the November assembly after the action item was passed for the charter review, so it was excellent. Um, I think you've you've both made really, really good points about especially this idea that we need to be victim-centric, right? Because we have survivors watching what we post. Of course we do. Um, And that's really important, that sensitivity that's there to them. But even to those who haven't been abused, you know, just sitting, sometimes it's really hard just to be a Catholic in a pew. Um, So speaking to those people as well, there's a lens that comes into that, this sensitivity sensitivity that you're both talking about. Um, Ashley, on a diocesan level, I'm wondering how you use social media to raise awareness of what the church is doing to protect children and youth. So um, not only on Bishop's channels, but also on the diocesan channels beyond maybe that, uh, that one day in April where you kind of pushed. What's some content and an example that you might have throughout the year that you've used um, from a diocesan perspective to help promote abuse prevention? Sure. Yeah, you know, I think um, probably the most obvious content that we would use would actually be when we are um, communicating a um, a new abuse allegation. Mm-hmm. Um, we are um, incredibly transparent about that and included in every single um, abuse allegation um, um press release, essentially, I mean, we put a statement out on our um, website, we include contact information for our um, um, the diocesan contacts that you, um, you know, would reach out to if you needed to make um, a report. And so that's primarily what we view social media for is just to kind of get that word out. Um, but I think you know we could do a much better job of promoting things like our safe environment coordinators and our um, virtues facilitators and and some of that activity that goes on within our parishes um, because we you know we do have one assigned to all 98 parishes and missions um, and that's not probably not something that everybody knows about so this as a you know um, something we could probably do better but could um, also be um, an example some of the other folks that might be listening is, um, you know, finding ways to highlight those people. You know, they're really the ones on the ground that are doing it every day. Um, and, you know, making sure that, um, you know, all of our parishioners understand that that's something that is, is a priority um, in every parish. 
Yeah, I think that's a great example. Thank you. Uh, that's something that we we always want to highlight uh, coming out of our office. We do a high reliability organization initiative, and one of the principles is highlighting those who have uh, done well to sort of report on what ha what are the good things that we have to offer and to, to encourage those continued efforts in other different parts of the diocese and other dioceses. So yeah, I think that's a great idea, something else that, uh, another idea that maybe other dioceses could latch on to talking about the things that happen every day, because as all three of us know, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know, um, the measures that are outlined in the charter, not a lot of Catholics and certainly not a lot of people are aware, even after almost 20 years of the charter being around, that every diocese has to have a safe environment coordinator. Every diocese has to have a victim assistance coordinator. And uh, on that line of thought, I just want to mention to anyone who's listening, if you are a victim or a survivor of clergy sexual abuse or know someone, um, there are abilities for you to report. Um, you're not alone. Please go to our website. You can find every single victim assistance coordinator's uh, email and their phone number and give them a call and report anything uh, that you need to about um, abuse by church personnel. And then I also encourage you to report to any civil authorities in your area. Um, John, I'll go ahead and jump to you uh, to kind of answer the same question, um, but from a national level. So maybe talking specifically uh, to start with something like what we do here at the USCCB for April, um, but then also beyond that, what you've seen. Yeah. So. Um yeah, in April, like we have the um, Child Abuse Prevention Month. We always, you, you know, the conference puts out a lot of resources and a lot of, um, yeah, just different materials um, for, for people to report abuse or, um, or just to, you know, I think, I think one of the big things too that, um, that we did this past year that was really, that worked really well was to kind of highlight, you know, numbers and statistics. And I think that, um, you know, I think those like, sometimes like you, you need to have the stories, but you also need to have, I think, some, some facts for folks. So I think that really kind of puts in perspective what the church, like the actions the church has taken to, um, you know, to combat abuse and, and, and things like that. So um, I know that, yeah, we put out a few, few graphics about, um, about how, like, how each diocese network has their own safe environment coordinator, which I think is really important because, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think many, um, many people still know that, so I think it's good to get that, get re, like, just reiterate that message and get that message out um, to people. And I know, too, the, um, a lot of the quotes from Scripture, I, you know, I think they... That just, I think, again, that gives people hope, and I think that helps them, um, that raises awareness about, about the issue, and that, like, you know, that they're not alone, that the Lord is with them, and that there's someone there to, you know, that they can contact at the at their parish or their diocese and, um, you know, to, to report abuse or, or report an incident or something like that. So I think, um, yeah, I think those are the few of the things that, that we've done, and I'm sure there will be new things that we'll try to do this, <laughs> this coming Hopefully, year, too. Hopefully, that's the idea. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Um, so Ashley, I'm wondering, since Bishop has different social media accounts, I know you said that almost everything gets engagement, but do you notice any kind of particular impressions, and y'all can correct me if that's not the right terminology for likes and comments, and I'll leave that to your expertise, but do you find that the impressions are greater or more thought out, more detailed on his accounts versus the diocesan accounts, not specifically to a post about child and youth protection, but just kind of in general, I'm more curious than anything. Yeah, and yes, I would say impressions are, are probably the right term because that kind of en encompasses Thank everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, Bishop doesn't post as often. Mm -hmm. So I think when he does, it definitely gets more attention. Um, you know, we're we're pushing a lot more content through our kind of more general diocesan channels 
because we've got obviously a lot more topics to cover. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bishop does does do pretty well when it comes to you know certain level of, of impressions and engagement. Um, he, you know, his his posts are almost always shared um, by at least a handful of people, um, and um, you know, he'll. I think probably the the most um, you know, the strongest engagement I think you can get from a social media post is is having, you know, kind of a comment string mm-hmm. um, that gets attached to them, um, because I think that's a way for also for us to directly engage with um, our audience. So, you know, I think that, you know, he tends to get a lot of um, comments because he is quite often, you know, requesting prayers for a specific topic or, um, or issue. And so he'll get a lot of, you know, the kind of hands together emojis and the amens. And, you know, I think it's, um, it's just kind of cool to see, you know, people um, really wanting to engage and interact with them. And I think you, thanks for saying that, Ashley. I think you both, you and John both have highlighted key ways to bring that hopefulness into it. But I think that's a really good example, honestly, of just asking for prayer intentions. Um, That could be a good strategy to sort of bring a hopefulness back into this idea of abuse prevention and you know praying for survivors obviously that's what we always want to do but what are some other um, you know specific intentions that people would have in conjunction with those kinds of efforts um, so John I'm curious on a national level um, I think you would probably say the same as far as how impressions would like what would get you the most impressions but um, I know we do a lot of live streaming, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you see engagement on that when we, like, for example, we prayed our, we do our rosary every April and live stream that. What what kind of engagement tends to happen with those events? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's fairly similar. I mean, I think, um, yeah, whether it's like a live stream or whether it's, you know, like a, just like a, a simple post asking for prayers. I think that really gets, uh, it kind of makes the algorithm work in favor of you because it gets people commenting, which, you know, helps it show up in more people's, more people's feet, which, which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I and mean, I think too, like when it's, um, yeah, when there's like a live, I think when there's a live event too, it kind of gives that extra sense of helping people see someone um, like actually, you know, actually in prayer, I think gives it a little, more, a little bit more of a visual and helps them feel like they're actually there. Um, like I know when we did, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, we did a couple with Archbishop Gomez in Los Angeles and we did a couple, um, couple different prayer services uh for different things and I, I know that that it's it was the same kind of engagement very people were you know amen hands together kind of kind of things but i think it you know it gives people hope and it gives people a lot of um yeah just it shows them that the church is alive and that people are still interested in their faith and that there's people out there that you know that are similar to them so i think that's it helps give people that that hope again i think you both highlighted the reason that social media should be even, you know, should be on diocesan radar, should be on the OCCB's radar. I mean, it's definitely a platform for engagement, to say the least, but it seems like it definitely makes a difference versus just, you know, sending a letter or something like that. I think a lot of people in the pews do follow their diocesan social media, um, depending on what platform it is, which leads me to my next question. Do you find that a certain, for both of you, do you find that a certain platform is more is more helpful, it's easier to tailor things, you know, from our, from a church perspective on a certain platform or across all social media channels, it's pretty much the same. What would you say, John? Um, I would say definitely Twitter is probably the most challenging. I don't know about you, Ashley, but um, it's the most unforgiving. Um, I, I would say Instagram is probably, I was actually just at a 
lunch with a, a colleague who works in uh, the Dices at Arlington, and, and she, we were kind of commenting on how uh, I think Instagram people are just seem to be happier in general. They're a little bit more receptive to different types of messages and um, different types of posts, and you can be a little bit more creative with it. So I would say, um, yeah, at least from a, at least from our the USCCB um, accounts, we really I think we try try to tailor some of our posts to Instagram a little bit more than some of the other accounts, just because there is that higher lot, uh, higher engagement and people are more receptive to the messages we put out on those channels. Ashley, would your experience follow that? Yeah, I think you make a really interesting point, John. You know that each platform does kind of have its own sort of culture and tone. Um, and I would say Twitter is probably um, our biggest growth opportunity for our diocese um, and for Bishop Johnston. Um, I don't know that we have completely figured out how to use that quite yet. Um, we are posting there and you know we're putting content out, but I don't know that we get a lot of engagement on Twitter. Um, I would definitely say that Facebook has been our strongest platform. Um, and it's an interesting um, sort of balance between Twitter and Instagram, because I agree, Instagram is definitely friendlier. Um, you know, it tends to be just, you know, kind of a, you know, people are just in general in a better mood on, on Instagram <laughs> for some reason. Um, <laughs> all the pretty pictures, maybe. Yeah. But um, but on yeah. Facebook, it's a little bit of a balance because I do think, you know, when people do engage on Facebook, it can kind of go either way. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I think the, the place where we have gotten into the most sort of, you know, in interactions and back and forth conversations definitely been on Facebook. That's so interesting to me because I feel like it's, it definitely seems as though you'd have to craft the post, right? It's, I feel like it would be more difficult to share the same post on Facebook and Twitter. Yes. Uh, they yeah. would need to be sort of crafted, mm -hmm. I guess is the right word, to be on each platform. Um, so Ashley, there were a couple of things that you mentioned about sharing press releases when an allegation comes out in your diocese. So I know a lot of dioceses, especially in a post-pandemic world, have been looking at their communication and social media policies uh, because a few of them didn't even have one before the pandemic started, but when everything was forced to go remote and digital. It was really the only path to engagement, right, for some. So I'm wondering, is that an element of you sharing those press releases about an allegation, putting out a press release every single time? Is that part of your communications policy there in the diocese? Um, I don't know that it is um, a, a policy yeah. necessarily, but um, it Just is practice. definitely one way that, yeah, that we have, have found um, you know, is effective in getting the word out. Um, you know, we, it's, you know, part of a, a much, you know, bigger effort, you know, to communicate those things when they happen. So, um, you know, we tend to we use email quite a bit, um, as well as posting it to our website. But yes, I mean, I think, you know, social media is just a, a good way in general to reach a broader audience, mm -hmm. because we, you know, Quite honestly, don't have a great email database. Uh, it gets pretty hard to keep those um, those current. Um, but with social media, you know, if somebody changes their profile, um, they're still following you. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And then I'm curious. Do you find that? I don't know. I know some parishes have social media, their own social media channels. Do you find that any that are in your diocese, or maybe John, if you've experienced some 
that will either that will share their bulletin electronically because I know it probably be easier to get social media engagement than you know you don't know who's going to pick up a bulletin if anyone really does my parish prints a paper bulletin but I know a few that don't still so I'm just uh, curious on that route if either of you have seen the sharing uh, electronically of bulletins yeah Absolutely. Um, it's mixed. Um, I would say it's probably the larger parishes that do that on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we have some that are still live streaming masses too yeah. um, through Facebook. So yeah, it's a mix, but there, there are definitely um, several who do that. I don't know, John. Do you have anything? Yeah, I, I would. I would. Yeah, I'd echo what Ashley said. I think it, it's mixed. It kind of depends. Like, I mean, I know my parish just started doing um, like an e-newsletter in the last few weeks, and so mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way to. I mean, to have all different types of media, whether it's a print bulletin or you to have an email newsletter, have it on social media, have it on the website. I think to, you can hit people wherever they are. Is it's good to have as many options as possible. Yeah, the whole point to get more engagement, more awareness. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, well, thank you both so much. Are there any uh, final thoughts just circling back from either of you? Good. No. Uh, no, good. I don't think so. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much to both of you. I really appreciate it. I think we've gotten some good ideas down, and uh, we'll go ahead and ramp up our social media for April. But this is a good way uh, just to for people to strategize now all year as we... Uh, move into Advent and beyond. So thank you both. Thanks, Lauren. Yep. Lauren.